Pokemon to him is just called No No Pikachu. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss parenthood with my guest, Keza McDonald. I am Keza McDonald. I've been a games writer for nearly 15 years, and I have three kids, which is a lot now. It's a bunch of kids. <laughs> Keza is video games editor at The Guardian and has somehow also found time to launch her own podcast, Spawn Point, described as a video game podcast for tired people, for which she talks to other parents who play or make games. Keza was especially generous in giving me her time for this conversation because she is very close to giving birth, at which point she will have, as she puts it, a bunch of kids. I wonder how many kids you need to have a bunch, like the Brady Bunch, right? How many were they? Uh, uh, I think they were like seven, weren't they? I don't even know. I reckon three is the, the tipping point for like a lot of kids. Yeah. That, that's a whole bunch of kids, really. Especially nowadays. Yeah. So I have a uh, a toddler, a baby due any day and a teen stepson. Mm-hmm. So it's a great it's a great range of different annoying problems. It's great. Yeah, you've got all the experiences there. It's like The Sims. You've got like one in each <laughs> age group. <laughs> One in each life stage, yeah. <laughs> How was your nap? Uh, good. Necessary. Yeah? Yeah. How much are you sleeping at the moment? I can't do anything. Well, I'm, the thing is, I don't really sleep at night anymore mm. because every position is uncomfortable. Oh. So you wake up kind of every hour, like, ow, and you have to move into a less uncomfortable position and you have to get back to sleep and so on. So in the course of being in bed for eight hours, you sleep maybe four five so it's rough yeah because you're not supposed to sleep on your back right when you're heavily pregnant no you can't sleep on your back because the baby presses on everything Mm. it's not comfortable anyway and then if you sleep on your sides and there's just so much weight and pressure on like your hips and your legs and stuff Mm. and you have to have like 80 pillows it's just that the last few weeks are just designed to make you actually want labor it's like i will take childbirth over this (laughs) it's so bad i've forgotten how bad the last few weeks just the last like three four weeks are just they really suck that's by design right the forgetting totally oh it's absolutely it's the hormones just make you forget for Mm. good reasons so that you do it again and again yeah yeah i don't know how people manage to do like eight or ten pregnancies though (laughs) (laughs) like you know because women had to exist in basically a constant state of pregnancy for most of human history i think some people kind of don't seem to mind pregnancy quite so much but it's really difficult Mm. especially if you've got other children it's just really hard but there you go yeah i can't even imagine maybe one day (laughs) (laughs) i would recommend the results yes (laughs) the the process i'm divided on i must be honest So obviously, I wanted to talk to you about parenting and games, both because you have this podcast that's all about parenting and games, and also because of you being a parent yourself. But before we talk about actual real life human parents, I thought we could talk about parents in games. Ah, yes. How would you say that historically, in the history of video games, parents have been represented? And is it different for mothers and fathers in games? It's funny because for such a long time that I've been playing video games, parents were basically non-existent. Mm. They were all kind of... Because games in the 90s, when I played as a kid, they were aimed at children. Like, adults didn't really play games, or at least they didn't seem to, to me at that time. And pretty much everything I played had this 
kind of a child or an adolescent perspective. But of course, as we're all aging and as developers are aging, we we got around about 2013, the era of the dad game really kicked off. Ah, the dadification of games. Yes, the, the famous dadification with, uh, I think that year was Bioshock Infinite and it was Last of Us and lots of uh, the, the big the blockbuster games started adding in a bit of bit of father-daughter dynamics or a bit of parenting dynamics. Oh yeah, The Walking Dead. Yeah, The Walking Dead did it as well around about the same time. So we've got this situation where we, we went from having basically no parental themes or family themes really in games at all to it now being almost a cliche <laughs> <laughs> that you have to have Grizzly Dad as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find that there's there's almost no considerations of motherhood at least in mainstream games, basically it's all. There's exactly one game I can ever recall playing that has a pregnant woman in it, which is a game called Bound. The ballet game. The ballet game, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a ballet platformer. And there's like an intercut thing where basically the, the, you're the ballet platform bits and then you have a part where you're a pregnant woman reconciling with her upbringing. Yeah, and we've even got... Because um, the upcoming game from Kojima, right, has a kind of pregnancy themes but without women involved. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Or like the only women are called like mama. Mm. And <laughs> I am, I'm very divided on Hideo Kojima's games because I do like them, but I think the women stuff is so weird. I really feel like Kojima has some very odd ideas about women mm. in general. And so it is quite funny that Death Stranding has managed to be like, you carry a baby around in a belly, but you're not, you're not a woman. You're not pregnant. Women don't do it. <laughs> Norman Reedus does it. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's almost like a male fantasy of like doing everything without the need for women to be involved at all. A rejection of the concept that women are necessary for humanity <laughs> to exist. Even biologically. I remember there was, I watched a film recently called, I think it's called I Am Mother, mm. which is a Netflix film about basically humanity's gone a robot has a, basically a genealogy center and this robot has been entrusted with the care of humankind and so the robot brings up a perfect human baby and the first scene in it has the robot kind of taking the embryo out and then putting the embryo into a sort of artificial womb and pressing a button and I thought oh man that would be a lot easier oh gosh <laughs> like it really would be a lot easier if, if that were the case but having been through pregnancy a couple of times now I'm, I'm fairly convinced of its essentialness to <laughs> to the uh the future of the human race and to how you know how how parenting starts but yeah, it's interesting that in in games like there's partly just because there's not that many creators out there who are of childbearing biology or age mm. really there hasn't been until quite recently there just hasn't been this uh this theme but it has it's definitely been coming up more and more god of war last year was actually a really good game that had a, a father-son dynamic at its heart which i thought was really great although did begin with the fridging of the mother of course yeah there's no mother in that game because she's she's already dead by the time you get there you never met her she's already dead yeah so yeah the father stuff is getting quite interesting the mother stuff not really there at the moment and you know i'm really hoping that there'll be at least a little more going on in that sphere in the next few years i was talked to a lot of uh gamer parents and developer parents for for my podcast and uh there's so many more dads than mums that just are because of the dynamics of the games industry like both age and gender the dynamics kind of work out that way Mm. but i was talking recently to an indie developer called leanne who's making a game with her daughter and uh the game's not about parenting or anything but that's the kind of that's the kind of cool thing i'd quite like to see more of yeah
I think it's really interesting what you said about how games used to be for kids a couple of decades ago and thus there were no parents. Do you think it's like basically like how in Disney movies the characters always have if parents they only have one and one of them's dead and it's kind of is it for dramatic reasons or is it just because in a childhood fantasy the parents uh kind of the authority figures do not exist i totally think it's a lot about that idea of freedom from parental influence as a kid mm. like that is the parental fantasy look at harry potter look at pokemon you know your mum exists in pokemon but she's there for the first five minutes she says off you go have a good adventure and then she's done with you <laughs> narnia like pretty much any classic of children's fiction, the parents are a minimal presence if they're a presence at all. That's kind of the core of the appeal. And uh, that was kind of the same for me as a kid. Like one of the things that compelled me so much about games like Zelda was this idea of being a child, but being self-determining mm. and, you know, being able to have this grand adventure without parents around. And actually the presence of well-rounded parent characters in games aimed at kids would probably ruin that <laughs> thinking about it. And, you know, so games from the perspective of kids, which was a lot of games, Mm. and still is quite a lot of games don't tend to include parents but games from the perspective of parents which is an increasing number of games obviously that's at the core of it have you ever played a game as a character who is a mother god i don't know you know i can't think of any can you think of any have you played we happy few i've not okay now that's an interesting one because i've read about it mm. and that has uh, that has a character who has a secret baby in it doesn't it yeah she has a secret baby that she has to go back and feed so it's kind of a restriction for her which i guess you could read as you know disappointing that this female character is having these restrictions put on her or you could read it as a realistic representation of how difficult it is to be both a mother and somebody who's you know carrying out quests the thing about that dynamic of like a baby being a thing that you have to go back and feed mm. like it, it so massively undersells parenting like actually <laughs> quite a lot of um well generally media does it's not just video games but in video games if there are children present in a game or anything like that then it's generally like a an input machine you know mm. like you have to do x y and z in order to care for the child and like although that is kind of the principle it's not like that in real life <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of being able to just like leave your baby in a crib all day but go back every three hours to feed them. I mean, it would make things a lot easier. You mean kids aren't Tamagotchis? Turns out, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of a function of the form though, isn't it? Like if I, the only games I can think of that involve a sort of child rearing theme are things like Tamagotchis mm. or The Sims, you know, where basically you, you, you don't have to do much. Like it's very basic, like food, water, shelter, child will grow up fine. Obviously, real life parenting is very different from that. Yes. How would you design a game about parenthood? I have wanted to write a game, make a game for a while. I probably will do this finally this year about the very, very early motherhood, like literally from the moment of giving birth for the first kind of two, three months. Mm. And I would do it as a choose your own adventure where there's no right answer. The intensity of that time is so like because you can't really think straight because you're not sleeping and your hormones are mad and so on. And like the sheer intensity of, of those first few hours and weeks with a new baby, there's nothing like it on this earth. There's nothing like it. And um, I remember being so completely tired and ex just so exhausted that I couldn't quite tell which was the baby and which was me sometimes. Like I'd be sitting looking at him in the crib and he'd be crying and I couldn't figure out whether it was him crying or me crying or both of us. Like it was very, very odd. Wow. And uh, the kind of the closest thing to it, I guess, would be not speaking from experience, but probably extremely, extremely hard drugs would probably be the closest thing to the sort of rewiring of your brain that goes on. It's almost hallucinogenic. It's a very strange experience. So the idea of like, I would love to write a, a text game that sort of 
takes vignettes from those first few months like those moments where you're like i don't know what to do and you know there is no right answer like it's not like if you pick up the baby and you know rock them in a certain way or feed them x amount of times or whatever then everything will be fine the baby will stop crying it's not kind of how it works you just have to kind of it's almost like a you just have to kind of exist in in, in that state with them mm. and try and just be like accepting like well this is what's happening right now what's happening right now is my baby won't stop crying that's the situation and nothing i can do will fix it necessarily and as a kind of human who <laughs> exists in the modern world and plays a lot of games you tend to think there's like a solution mm-hmm. and very often with kids there's no solution it's just how they're feeling even with tiny tiny babies that's something it took me a little while to accept and i think a game would be a really cool way of of communicating that kind of very strange intense aspects of early parenthood it feels like that's a game that ought to exist in this current moment of smaller indie games playing with the idea of agency and power fantasies and control like a lot of games now indie games especially seem to be trying to subvert that idea yes totally i think it would be a good time for it but yeah the idea like video games really do operate on the principle of input output like if you do this then this will happen. If you, you know, do enough battles, you'll level up. If you try hard enough, you'll be able to save the world. And it's really interesting. In the last kind of five to ten years, more and more video games have been trying to subvert that whole trope of like basically put in the the coins and you'll get <laughs> you'll get the result that you want, put in the points and you'll get the result that you want. And I think like real life isn't like that. Obviously we all know this. And it's it's really cool to see video games reflecting that more and more. You've written a few articles about your relationship with games and how that has changed since becoming a parent and during pregnancy and things like that. You mentioned there about the the very early stages of when you've just given birth. How much time were you able to find to play games in your youngest, current youngest child's very early life? Did it take, you know, six months before you were able to pick up a controller again? (laughs) Um, In the first few months of my son's life i managed to play 60 hours of stardew valley but i i recall none of it like <laughs> i literally couldn't recall a second of it because um so the brain needs about four hours of continuous sleep in order to be able to kind of lay down memories okay for the first few months if you're a breastfeeding mother you don't get four hours of continuous sleep you don't get it because they feed every two hours or or more often if you're unlucky so you get maybe 90 minutes of sleep at a time <sighs> And it's so rough and it's your your brain just stops being able to process all of the sensory input and stuff that you get. So you're just existing on a kind of hour to hour, day to day level. And it just doesn't last for long. It lasts for like, you know, a few weeks, really. But while you're in it, you can't. So I, I played all this Stardew Valley and I played a bunch of stuff in the middle of the night, mostly because I stayed up all night with my baby mm-hmm. um, and my partner would come and relieve me in the morning and I'd get to have a little bit of sleep. And so in the dead of night, I sat playing all sorts of stuff, really for quite long amounts of time but I don't remember a single thing about it the first game I remember playing properly when I was a new mum was Zelda Breath of the Wild because it came out the switch came out when my son was about three and a half months old okay and that's the point at which babies start sleeping a little bit more like people like (laughs) mostly at night and for longer than an hour at a time (laughs) so he was starting to sleep kind of for maybe three or four hour stretches and mostly in the evening like he'd be awake during the day so at that point, I was able to put the baby down and he would go to sleep by himself <laughs> for longer than, you know, 20 minutes. And so I could pick up the switch. And uh, I also learned to breastfeed lying down so that I could play the switch <laughs> whilst feeding him as well. And I ended up playing Breath of the Wild for basically six months. 
didn't really play anything else. I just played Breath of the Wild. It's a good game for that, I guess, because you don't really, I mean, you just kind of wander around and do whatever you want, which makes it an awful game for me because I need direction. But I suppose if you (laughs) are in that kind of baby adult state of mind and you just need something to occupy you, then it's probably perfect. It was perfect, honestly. And also it's it's such a good game. Mm. Like it's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. And it's, it's so good that even if you got 10 minutes, 20 minutes or 40 minutes with it, it just felt like a a valuable and fun and and enriching use of time i find like partly because i've been working in games since i was 16 a lot of my sense of personal identity is tied up in games Mm. and when you're a new mum, that's a time of extreme flux for your sense of identity because everything you think you know about yourself is suddenly kind of up in the air and you've got this whole new paradigm to shift into so i found playing zelda especially because i've been playing that since i was seven playing Zelda I found helped to really recenter me it was like when people say oh have a bath paint your nails for me that was just played Zelda on the switch it was with self-care it was me yeah. time and like reminding yourself that you're still the same person you were when you were a kid totally yeah. like I've had a baby not a personality transplant <laughs> and you know it takes a while to to get yourself back when you're in the kind of full-on baby care it takes a little while to get yourself back and you know Zelda was a way for me to reconnect with with myself and my kind of passions mm. And I found it really important for that stage. And also the Switch is an absolute godsend for parents. It's so useful to be able to, like, if you do have that hour or two in the evening, miraculously, then you can play it on your TV. And if you don't, you just take it with you, you can play it on your computer or whatever. It's just it's just great. It really makes video games easier to fit in around around an adult life or parent life specifically. I know a lot of people who've been like, the Switch just gave me video games back. Like I lost them for years, but the Switch gave me them back with older kids as well. Mm. Like it's a way for you to play your thing without it having to be on the family TV Mm. while your kids are busy playing or whatever, or, you know, doing something else. You can just play by yourself for a little bit. Because the other thing is we had to move, when my littlest one was born, we had to move a PlayStation into my older stepson's room which was something we'd been avoiding (laughs) specifically because he wasn't very good at self-moderating, still isn't. I mean, what teen is, but we had to do it because we couldn't have him playing destiny in front of a toddler. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, it's not really what you want. So you have this situation now where, you know, instead of every family member being essentially confined to their room (laughs) with their games, the switch does make that a lot easier. You talk about your older son's difficulties with self-moderation, your teenage son. I feel like a lot of games writers, we spend a lot of time reassuring parents about their concerns about video games. Like a lot of the writing we do, at least for the mainstream press, is about, you know, you don't have to worry this much about games. Did you have those concerns before you became a parent? Have they changed now that you are one? Do you still have any concerns about games? Have you got any new ones? I have massive concerns about games and young people. Mm. Massive. And I kind of always have. But, you know, now that I... Games are very different now from how they were when we were growing up. You couldn't play a game forever. Well, you could, but you'd get really bored (laughs) um, on the SNES. Um, Whereas now, you know, with with online games that are continually updated, things like Fortnite that essentially change every few weeks, there is this immense pressure for them to play more. And the game, I think, puts pressure on young people to play more. The FIFA competitive seasons require hours and hours of play every week if your kid wants to be a part of that then they're going to feel pressure to play Mm. and that so that's an aspect of gaming that didn't exist when we were kids and it, it requires management now as a parent you need to manage you know it's not necessarily about screen time it's not like oh you can have you know 90 minutes or four hours or whatever number you put on it it's not so much about that it's about managing your child's relationship with games and making sure that it's you know something that they 
are not compulsively doing something that they want to be doing. And also, like one of the things that annoys me a little bit about the the game's media and industry's response to concerned parents is like two things can be true, right? It can be true that video games are not harmful at all and that they're fun and enriching for most kids. It can also be true that it's incredibly annoying when your kid won't turn the bloody thing off and come downstairs for dinner. Like <laughs> both of these two things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And instead we kind of operate in this situation where video games have to be either wholly completely harmless and brilliant and wonderful or a scourge and contributing to school shootings and all this nonsense that, you know, people who don't understand games come out with. So the truth is that games are a enriching, can be very creative, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but they're like overall completely harmless or indeed enriching part of a kid's media diet but then also they can become something that that gets in the way of family life Mm. definitely especially when your kids get older and you know as a teen most teens are withdrawing from their parents anyway and when we were kids that withdrawing would take the shape of going out a lot with friends and now it takes the shape of sometimes retreating into the bedroom and playing a hell of a lot of online shooters with their pals And although the same thing is happening, it's a disconnect that's happening between the parent and the child. Now it looks worse. You know, like Mm. if you don't understand games, you look at your kids sitting there playing it to you. It looks like they're playing by themselves. I completely understand why some parents are like, my kid plays three hours of Fortnite every night. I just don't know what he's doing in there. You know, I don't, I can't understand what he's getting out of it. That's the equivalent of going and hanging out with his pals in a park or whatever it was that we used to do. (laughs) It's just, they're doing it online. Like I think that parents don't necessarily understand video games as social spaces for teenagers which is what they are now that's the function they serve for a lot of teens Mm. and if you try and see games in that way then it's much less troubling that people spend so much time on them at that age what's your current youngest child's relationship like with video games how old is he he is two and a half two and a half so how does he feel about video games interestingly he hates them (laughs) Because video games are the thing that his brother or his dad or his mum is doing when they're not paying attention to him. <laughs> oh, interesting. So he'll, you know, want to play with his big brother and big brother will be playing Counter-Strike and he'll be like, oh, he's playing a game and look sad. And um, I tried to play a little bit of Pokemon in front of him maybe about six months ago. I was like, just just trying to play and just have it there in front of him. Just be like, you know, maybe you'll like this. Maybe you'll like watching me. Because my dream is that one day he's just going to enjoy watching me play. So I'll just maybe get 40 minutes in the middle of the day. <laughs> Instead of watching endless episodes of CBeebies, I'll be able to be like, do you want to watch some Zelda? Mm-hmm. That's my dream. But no, he's just he doesn't like it because I'm not paying attention to him. You know, I'm paying attention to the screen, which is fair enough. Like, that's completely fair. And how young children are programmed. They need face-to-face interaction they need a lot of quite intense attention hmm. and so yeah right now uh he pokemon to him is just called no no pikachu <laughs> um <laughs> uh, how do we go with uh yoshi's woolly world on the switch as well which he liked for about five minutes but yeah right right now he's not interested and i know some people who work in games whose kids just aren't particularly interested in games they're like oh no that's mum's thing or that's dad's thing you know it's not their thing they might be interested in something else completely i worry about that i worry that I will have a child one day and they'll hate video games and all they'll want to do is play sports or something I know, that I rugby. totally can't relate to. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Like, I think that would just be the the absolute classic situation. Mm. My older son plays games, but he plays completely different games from me and his dad. Mm. Like the games that he does play are basically incomprehensible to us. Do you think that's an age thing or is it that he deliberately doesn't want to play the games that you like? A bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get to the age where you want to reject what your parents like, don't you? You'd be like listening to your parents' music, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
there would be a point when listening to your parents' music would be unthinkable. So I think for a lot of people who play video games, the 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 dream is that games becomes a family activity that you can all enjoy together. Mm. But obviously there will come a point. There's like this sweet spot between when your kid's about five and ten when they will like listen to you and <laughs> enjoy the things that you enjoy and like specifically because you enjoy them they'll be like oh cool let's do this together like they want to do stuff with you mm. but then they start to become more concerned with what their friends think and stuff and before long like i mean i could suggest a game to my stepson now that i know he will love and he would not play it just on principle because i'd suggested it and that's just a factor you know wow. that's 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 a teen thing have you tried reverse psychology i have like pretending you hate something <laughs> that definitely works <laughs> Well, I have the situation now because my teen is a big shooter fan, which I'm not at all, really. Mm. But, you know, I was sitting trying to, I was just tra- checking out Far Cry New Dawn and I was like, you know, pootling about and he came in and sat down. He's like, oh God, watching you play this is embarrassing. Oh, you're so bad at this. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be good at it. I'm just trying to play it for fun. God's sake, leave me alone. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really fun. As if we don't get enough of that from people on the internet. Oh, it's literally like Twitter come to life. Oh, it's wow. great. <laughs> but you know, I think that's not a game specific thing. You know, it'd be the same with music, whatever else it is. Like there just c- comes this point. So I'm hoping that with my two littler children, mm. there will be a few years where we can all sit down together and play something that we all want to play and that's fun. And it helps that I'm a big Nintendo fan. And uh, Nintendo was a, a huge part of my childhood. And I'm really, really hoping they like some Nintendo stuff so that we can play it together and we can share that at least, you know, for, for some precious years. But I'm not, to be honest, I think it's, you know, it's like if you're, if you, like one of those dads who's really into football and like decides that their boy is going to be a football star. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the kid doesn't really get a say in it. I'm trying not to be like the gaming version of that. <laughs> but I do think it's funny. Like I've been given in my stepson, I've basically been given like your classic 101 gamer boy to parent. <laughs> and it's like karmic retribution for, <laughs> for all the years I've done this job. I've been given like this absolute gamer boy who doesn't particularly want to do anything else. <laughs> um, so yeah, you wonder, you know, when they're little, there's no way of telling, but I think that it's something like 99% of kids play games in some way now. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's unavoidable, probably. I think so. I mean, so this is something that I welcome. It's, it's a great, like, everyone plays games now. That's great. I think that what's changed is that now games is not a homogenous thing like it maybe used to be. Now it's it's so broad that, you know, maybe the things that he's interested in playing will be things that I wouldn't wouldn't even occur to me, you know? Yeah. How would you feel if one of your kids later on in life told you that they wanted to be a games journalist? (laughs) Well, my teen wants to be a pro gamer. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Don't they all? Yeah, well, they do all. That's the thing. It was conflicting because as someone who has made a career out of this, I know simultaneously that it's possible and also that it's incredibly unlikely and difficult Mm. to be able to make a career out of it. Like I would always say to any of my kids, I say this to my team, but I would say this to my young ones as well, like totally do it pursue your dreams have a plan b and possibly a plan c (laughs) you know i did i was going to be a professor that was my plan a and then games journalism happened to work out and so that's now my life um but yeah i think like the thing with any any kind of career in something you're passionate about it'd be the same if they were like i really want to be a pro footballer or a director of films it's like great that's awesome pursue it with all of your energy but also make sure you do all the other stuff like try and get some good grades do whatever it is that you you know have a job have a thing that will definitely earn you money (laughs) and then you know see if the other thing works out i think that's that's you know especially nowadays because there's no money in anything especially not media Mm. but you know if you look at streamers youtubers programmers all that kind of sector you can make a small living out of it like that's a thing that is achievable you know people do manage it but the idea of becoming like ninja or pewdiepie 
some kind of multi-millionaire YouTuber or streamer, like, you got to know that's not likely. <laughs> like, vanishingly unlikely that's going to happen. So yeah, keeping expectations in check would be important for me. When it comes to your podcast, then, Spawn Point, about gaming and, and parenting and the relationship between those two things, what inspired you to start that? Is it an idea you've had for a while? So I wanted to start a podcast for gamer parents that wasn't necessarily about parenting. Oh, okay. Just because I just found it changed my perspective on games so massively that, and also just sheer amount of time that I used to be able to invest in games and that you're kind of expected to invest in games if you're, you know, into them properly, which just wasn't available to me anymore. So I would find that, you know, the gaming podcasts that I used to listen to, like they get so into the nitty gritty of stuff and I'd be like, I've played this for an hour. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't have, I just don't, I actually don't, you know, and then there's been like or 3000 word articles about the latest destiny update and the balance changes and stuff. And I just, but this just isn't my life anymore. Mm. And I love games. And I started writing a little bit about these experiences. Like I wrote a bit about how hard it was to keep up with, you know, you basically, you have to pick one big game a year if you're a parent and you play that one big game for six months. So last year it was Red Red Redemption. Year before that it was Breath of the Wild. This year so far, it's Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I saved from last year. Oh, what a game. Yeah, it was really good. I'm really enjoying it. I'm so pleased I saved it. Because mm. um, you can't play more than one massive game because it just is not the time. And you can't concentrate anyway, to be honest. You can't remember more than one game's worth of stuff <laughs> any one time. So my gaming diet changed from being very omnivorous to being either very, very short games that you can play in an evening or two, or these massive, massive games, but broken down into really tiny chunks. So, but it also changed my perspective on games because suddenly, like, I, I can't be doing my games that waste my time now. Mm. You know, I can't be like, oh, it gets good after 15 hours. You know, that's no, it's no good for me anymore. <laughs> and the more I started writing from this perspective, the more I would see in the comments and on Twitter and stuff, people just being like, oh, God, yes, it's so, it's just, you know, it's really good to read from this perspective because it's not that any of us who've become parents who play games, it's not that we love games any less. It's just that we don't have the same relationship with them that we used to have just by necessity. And I think that happens to a lot of people. It's not even just having kids, like having a relationship and a job even. Mm. You know, these are things that do reshape the way your life goes. You know, weekends for me are now full-time childcare. You know, I hang out with my son all day. Weekends used to be sit and play XCOM for six hours. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it just switches around the way that you can play. And that in itself kind of gives you a slightly different perspective. And also it's nice to just create a space where it's like, look, I know you haven't played 60 hours of games this week. <laughs> like nobody who listens to this podcast or who is on this podcast expects that from you. And that's been kind of quite important, I think, for some listeners. They've said like it's it's like a place for enthusiasm and passion for games. It doesn't necessarily assume that you have all the time in the world to play them. And like a lot of the, understandably, of course, a lot of the podcasts I used to be on myself and listen to, you know, the IGM ones, Giant Bomb ones, Kotaku, etc. It's like up to the minute gaming news and stuff. And it, actually it can create the effect of feeling quite left behind. Or at least I found that. Mm. Whereas I wanted to create a gaming podcast that was like, we still love games. It's all good. It's more chill. And also everybody who's on this podcast is talking from the same perspective. Uh, I had Sean Murray on recently. We just chatted about games, but from the perspective of someone with three kids. He had three kids while No Man's Sky was being made. Did you know that? Oh, no, I had no idea. Unbelievable. I, I found that out. I was like, Are you what? <laughs> wow. Your family must be really, really highly scheduled. <laughs> That's all I can say to have been able to get, you know, make something like No Man's Sky 
and three babies happen. From the episodes of your podcast that you've recorded so far, what have you learned in talking to other people who are parents and also play or make games? I've learned that there's an awful lot of us, <laughs> which, you know, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, considering the you know average age of a person who plays games is well into their 30s now. Mm. And it's also just, it's nice to see that... Because I think when you're younger, I certainly had this impression that once you have kids, that's it. It's over for you. Like basically your life is over and you're you're instead, you exist for the benefit of somebody else, which is a scary prospect when you're 20 and incredibly self-centered. <laughs> and I find it very comforting to be like, oh, no, it doesn't actually have to be that way at all. You know, and that's that's something that you lose a lot of freedom for a few years when your kid's very little. Like you have friends, I'm sure this has happened to many listeners, but you know, you have a friend, they have a baby and they just drop off the face of the earth for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and it feels like, you know, they're presumably they're making new friends and having to live their life in a different way. But they come back, like you get a couple of years of that really intense kind of baby toddler period. And then you start to kind of get your rhythm back. And it's been very comforting for me talking to people who are further along on their parenting journeys about kind of how how their lives are now. Because it's you do kind of fear, I think, certainly before you have children in those first years, you fear like, is my life ever going to be normal again? <laughs> like, is it ever going to feel like my own again? And of course, some stuff changes forever, but other stuff doesn't. And, you know, you don't have to abandon your hobbies and abandon your passions when you have kids you know i think that's a very comforting notion for people it certainly has been for me do you have any advice for people who are considering becoming parents or who maybe have just had babies and are having those concerns about what the future is like for them i think just know that it gets better like time moves on like that's the one certain thing <laughs> is that time moves on and kids grow up and the funny thing is that that's really sad when it starts happening you know, when your little baby is suddenly a kind of boy shaped, <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, what's happened? How has this happened? And already you're like, oh, my goodness. And then, of course, when your kid becomes a teen, it's a whole different ball game. And I have a kind of philosophy with parenting and with everything that try and enjoy what your life is right now as much as you can. Instead of thinking, oh, it could be this way, it could be that way, it was this way once, maybe it'll be like, just try and be in the moment. You know, this is probably a platitude, but it does help, I think, a lot because it's, it's pretty tough with little kids, especially if you've got more than one of them. <laughs> Um, and I think just trying to accept what your life is right now and try and enjoy the bits that you do enjoy and accept that it won't be like that forever. I think that's like the best piece of advice I've ever received. As Keza says, the perspective of parents in games is so rarely considered and there's so much more we could have discussed for this episode. If you want to hear more from parents who play, you should definitely check out Keza's podcast, Spawn Point. You can follow Keza herself on Twitter at Keza McDonald. I'm at Jerrica Weber, and this podcast is at Talking Simpod. If you think of any games where you play as a mother or as a pregnant person, please email them to us at talkingsimulatorpod at gmail.com so that we can check them out. If you like this episode, you can let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the show so that you get all the episodes as soon as they come out. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jazz Mickle. Talking Simulator is edited by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. Hang on a second. No, that's okay. Who's there? Hi, sweetie. Have you woken up? Yes, you have. Hello. I'm talking, yeah, I'm on the phone. I've got my microphone here.
Would you like to go to the living room and sit with Daddy while I finish? Okay. Yes. yes? Okay, I'll see you in a few minutes. He's just in the living room, sweetie. Okay, I'll see you in a minute.